What's up, everyone, and welcome to another Splitting Up Rights podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about some NFL stuff, as well as some greatest of all time list. Um, but before we do that, we're going to go into our best and worst. Today, I got Mr. Gage Opal with me, as well as Ian. Gage, I'm going to start with you. What is your best and worst from this last week? All right, so my best, uh, I had a really rough week in school. I had three tests, and only one of them went okay, um, but... In order to, you know, kind of ease that, Leighton took me to JJ's yesterday and paid for my entire tab, which was awesome. So that was my best. How much was it? <laughs> I didn't ask. <laughs> <laughs> Smart man. What's your um, worst? <laughs> my worst, my worst would be the damn, uh, the damn weather. Um, because we were stuck at home all week. And Jack didn't get to go to daycare, so we had to have him with us during school, which means we had to have him for those tests this week, which was not ideal. Tough. That's a tough one. Mr. Ian, what's your best and worst for the week, sir? Uh, Well, my best has got to be building off of Gage's worst, and I'm just so happy the sun is out. It's 60 degrees here in Lubbock. Oh, it's heaven. The roads are clear. We made it to IHOP, and our table is ready. Let's so go. let's go. I will be now migrating to the table. Uh, my worst. So I've had my eyes set on getting two pairs or one pair, two sugar gliders as pets. They're like the coolest things ever. I had it all planned out where I was going to buy the cages, the food, all that. And then I go to the exotic pet store we have here and they were out. There's Zero an exotic pet gliders. store in Lubbock. There is. What kind of animals no they got? sugar gliders from them. They did have this one badass monkey. He was awesome. He was like, it was like if you've seen like Night of the Museum, you know that monkey? It's kind of like that, that one. He was just chilling, vibing, climbing the ropes and shit. But he was $6,000. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Plus, like, I don't know if I need like a license. So I couldn't get the monkey. But I will get sugar gliders eventually. So stay tuned. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to keep that note. Um, I'll start with my worst. My worst was that on about Tuesday, around seven o'clock, they shut off our water in my apartment complex. And it was because a literally apartment building right outside or right next to me, their pipes had bursted. And so for two and a half days, water was rushing out of there just as like as much as possible. And it was, it, it sucked because uh, us as human beings, we don't realize like how much we depend on water. Like I wasn't able to shower for like four days. I stunk. I couldn't brush my teeth on a regular basis. It was it was rough, man. It was rough. I was able. I had power though, so like I was chilling in the warmth, but I was did not smell good. Wasn't able to do the basic needs. Also, huge shout out to Ted Cruz for leaving in the middle of a winter pandemic, or I guess winter storm, whatever you want to call it, and going to Cancun where it was nice and warm and not giving a fuck about any Texans. So huge <laughs> shout out to him. Um, but but you know it is what it is. Uh, so that goes to my best though, because something happened this week, and we're gonna—it's gonna lead right into our discussion we're about to have. Carson Wentz was traded to Indianapolis Colts. I know Gage hates Wentz, and he'll rip—he'll rip him up. So we'll hear that in a second. But as a organization that just lost a 38-year-old quarterback for one season, our in the season before uh, our number one overall pick in 2012 retired, it is nice to have a young quarterback that at least has been successful in the league before and I'm happy to have him on our team. He was successful for one season gauge. He was an MVP candidate that one season. So I'm happy that he's part of the Colts and we're going to get into that discussion right now, talking about the Carson Wentz deal. So just a quick overview. If you, for some reason, live under a rock or didn't have power during this time, um, 
Carson Wentz was traded to the Annapolis Colts for a 2021 third round pick and a conditional 2022 second round pick that could turn into first round in the future. Hey, I mean, we'll go straight off the back. Straight off the bat, winner and loser of this draft of this trade. Gage, who's your winner of this trade and who's your loser? Uh, the winner is obviously Philly <laughs> because they get they they got they get they get to get rid of Carson Wentz, who's AIDS. <clears throat> so when Drew Drew te- I texted Drew when I heard about the trade, and we were talking about it, and he seemed pretty hype, and I told him I was like the only difference in the NFL now is that instead of Philly fans being on Twitter, pretending that Carson Wentz is good. Now Indianapolis fans are going to sit around and pretend that Carson Wentz is good. Cause he's not. Gage, gauge, gauge. The year he was good. I believe it was what 2018, 2017, whatever with the Eagles when they went to the Super Bowl, and then he got hurt right before the playoffs. He was behind a good offensive line, one of the best at that time with the Eagles when they were healthy with Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Jason Peters, Jason Kelsey, all of them. And then he had Frank Reich as his, as his offensive coordinator. He is now in Indianapolis with Frank Reich as his head coach and one of the best O-lines in the NFL. I don't see how he cannot be successful. The Colts are winners. You look, this is the same thing that this is a year ago, right? Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins were traded. Diggs was traded for a lot of stuff. And Hopkins was not the same exact thing happened this year. Stafford was traded for a first round pick and Jared Goff, and, you know, Wentz was traded for booty hole. The Colts are the obvious winner in this. We get a quarterback for the future. We don't have to trade as much away just for Wentz. And I think he's going to be successful. I don't want him to be an MVP candidate. I don't think he will have to be one, but it allows us. That's a good thing because he's not going to be one, (laughs) but it allows us as an organization not have to, to overpay a, you know, I'm going to say mediocre quarterback and you're going to say, well, you traded for a mediocre quarterback or below mediocre quarterback, but we don't have to pay someone in free agency to come in and, you know, do that and try to win over a job that maybe doesn't know who Reich is. Wentz at least knows Reich offense. And now we get to focus on, you know, going to get a big time receiver or draft a big time receiver and focus on getting a left tackle. It's a, it's a win-win for the Colts. The Colts won this trade end all be all. Ian, I'm going to go to you to break this tie. Who won this trade and who lost this trade? Yeah, it's definitely definitely Indianapolis's W. I, I don't really even like Carson Wentz that much, but I'm a big hater of Phillip Rivers. So I'm so glad that they moved on from him and have someone who's competent. Oh. <laughs> hey, he is more competent than 38-year-old Phillip Rivers who can't throw the ball more than 25 yards down the field. At least if he's throwing it 25 yards down the field, it's not getting picked. Hey, I sometimes I sometimes I want the risk. I want the risk. I might not like the I might not like the outcome, but I want the risk. So it is what it is. I, I mean, I think I think at the end of the day, the Colts are gonna we'll we'll see how what those picks turns into, but a second and a third round pick for a guy who was an MVP candidate not more than two years ago. Okay. Well, I will I'll, I'll give the Colts the Colts, I think, are one of the better front offices <clears throat> in the league. And so Maybe I'm sh- certainly better than Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. I think they probably could maybe put something around Wentz, but I think a lot of Indianapolis fans are trying to be excited about something. They know that they probably have no business being as excited as they are. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe the front office can prove me wrong 
and you know put something around him that makes him look more successful like the way Sean McVay does with Jared Goff Jared Goff's not a great quarterback but Sean McVay schemes stuff around to make him look good so if they can do the same thing with Wentz I'm sure he'll probably be a little more successful than he was in Philly but he's he's definitely not the franchise player I'm seeing all over Twitter from Indianapolis fans Oh, I'm not, again, I'm not calling him out saying he's going to be our franchise quarterback, but at least, you know, for the next three years, I would say at least three years, we don't have to worry about a quarter, at least a quarterback position. I'm okay with him as my quarterback for at least the next three, four years, as long as we build around him. Now, if we just give him shit like the Eagles did, you know, obviously they had Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, but like they were so injury prone that, and they weren't able to help Wentz in any way with weapons. If we don't give Wentz what weapons, we're going to be unsuccessful, but that's with any quarterback there is, you know, and obviously health plays a big part into, I think Wentz's demise. And then apparently him and Doug Peterson hadn't talked for like eight to 10 weeks of the last, you know, before the season was over. So eight to 10 weeks, your head coach and your quarterback aren't on speaking terms. That's, that's not a recipe for success. So um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, again, Gage is just going to hate because this is Carson Wentz from the Eagles. It just is what it is. He doesn't want to see my team success. Success. Drew, what do you think of Michael Pittman? Um, I hadn't seen enough of him to kind of, you know, say he was a win. I wish he would have gone a different route with that pick. I was, uh, I don't know. I think Clay, Chase Claypool was already off the board, but that's who I wanted for the Colts, just because I know he was a bigger target. But when Pittman did play the second half of the year, he was very, very um, good for the Colts. I don't think he's a number one receiver by any means. Honestly, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't even know if he's number two yet, but he also had a 38-year-old guy who could, you know, throw in sidearm to him. Again, I don't think a lot of receivers can be successful with that. So hopefully Wentz allows him to grow more and I can see him more as a number two. We definitely need a number one threat because we can't, we have no one. And T.Y. Hilton, I don't think is going to come back unless we give him a, a sweet deal, which is bullshit because he said he wanted to retire a cult. And now he's out here going, I want to go to free agency. Just fucking retire a cult, dude. No one wants your ass. <laughs> All right, Drew, I, I have a question. As Since you're a Colts fan, mm-hmm. I want your opinion on where you think Indianapolis, Indianapolis finishes next year. Do they make the playoffs one? <laughs> Yes, this immediately puts us in front-running position for AFC South. As I mentioned last week. Over Tennessee. Over Tennessee, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because in here, listen to me, listen to me. Well, because Tennessee, or not Tennessee, Texans and Jaguars are out of the conversation. We can go ahead and and put them aside, right? Tennessee is the the tough one, right? Tennessee definitely, I think, as of today, with with what we haven't figured out with our receivers and stuff, the Titans have a better offense. I, I will 100% say that. I like Tannehill. I like Henry. I like A.J. Brown. They, they, they know what to do on offense. Defensively, they're booty hole. I mean, it's why, they, it's, why they weren't a, it's why they weren't a real contender this year, in my opinion, because their defense could not solve the problem. They, they, they could not stop anyone. They were having to outscore people. So for me, we have, we have a top five defense right now. If we bring everyone back, you know, Xavier Rhodes is on a free agent deal. There's a couple other guys we got to lock up potentially could bring in JJ Watt, you know, just hopeful at this point. <laughs> but um, but if we if we basically bring back the same defense, I can see us having the same success. And then you add a a a young quarterback who's willing to make throws. Yes, he's gonna have picks, but he's also a younger guy than than Rivers. But Rivers threw fucking picks left and right anyway. So for me it puts the Colts in late fourth quarter. 
Yeah, late fourth quarter, if, if I did not want the ball in the fourth quarter because I knew Rivers was throwing that bitch away. Um, uh, but for me, it puts us in the same conversation as the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so so let's assume you win the division. Yep. So that would mean you're playing the wild card winner. Mm-hmm. So you're probably looking at a Miami or um, let's see, who else could be a contender? I mean, you can put Pittsburgh in there, but Pittsburgh's booty hole. Um, uh, so do you, do you win both either one of those games? I, Pittsburgh, yeah, either Baltimore, or Cleveland, probably. Yeah, Baltimore, or Cleveland, are the other two games. Um, I don't give a fuck what anyone says. Pittsburgh will not make the playoffs next year. I will put it on my life right now because they had the easiest schedule in NFL history last year. But I, I mean, Cleveland, I think is a rough one for us. But I do think we come out on top um, just because of the curse of Cleveland. I do think we're better than than Miami and um, uh, Pittsburgh right now, even without fixing our receiver problem and our left tackle issue. Fighting. There's also a chance you see Tennessee. If you're winning the division, Tennessee's probably going to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think even if the Colts don't win the division, Tennessee and and Indianapolis make the playoffs just like they did this year. I, I think both of them are playoff teams. I think they're. I think both of them are better than Pittsburgh. I think. Miami, I think they're better than Miami, but by a little bit. And it's just because of Tua and his question mark. I, I'm not 100% on Tua, and I don't know what, what he can do with that offense just yet. Um, Cleveland is the one I, I'm kind of like is right on their butt tail of it. And it just – it just if they play like they did last year, then, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland's probably as good, maybe maybe better, maybe worse than the Colts in Tennessee. But I, I seriously I have the Colts as same level as Buffalo, and it's because Buffalo's defense is booty hole again. Booty cheeks. Colts have a top five defense, bitches. Hey, and you know we're gonna get we're we already locked for four wins. We're already locked for four wins against Houston and Jacksonville. It's just it's just the nature of the AFC South. You gotta love to play in that division. That could be the NFC East, but your Cowboys are fucking retarded. Okay, now Ian, since your favorite team is also in the AFC, and in Drew's wildest dream. If Indianapolis makes the AFC title game against all odds, how comfortable are you with that game? Yeah, now, Gage, here's what I see. I see Kansas City driving down a road to get to the Super Bowl again, and then I see a cute little dog in the road. I'm like, no, I like the Colts. I, I, I don't dislike Wentz. I, I, I like them. Smash. They're flattened on the pavement, and we're running it back. I mean, I'm not upset like that. As a Colts fan, I've never been like, it's championship or bust. I'm okay with losing in the AFC championship game every year. (laughs) It's more successful than the Cowboys have been the last 20 years. So I'm okay. As long as long as it's true. That is true. You heard it here first, splitting uprights fans. Drew is okay with his team being the fifth or sixth best team in the league. It's better than the Cowboys. That's all I got to say. No, we want all or nothing, sir. Well, you guys have a lot of nothing for the last 20 plus years. So, about the same as y'all. We have we have one Super Bowl win and one, and two Super Bowl trips. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. We played the same division as Tommy B, who's got what, six Super Bowls now. So, and then we also had to we also have to deal with Patrick Mahomes now, who a couple years ago we played them in the playoffs. I believe I believe it's been twice. No, it's just been once in the playoffs we played in the regular season. So, I I'm okay with us being being the the carpet for the Kansas City Chiefs to go to another a third straight Super Bowl, I'm okay with that. And you hear you heard it for here first from a Colts fan. 
we're okay with mediocre. As long as we're, as long as we make the playoffs, the city of Indianapolis is a happy city. That's all I got to say. We're, we're, we're known as Nap Town Gage. What else what do you a, want from us? What a sad, sad franchise. <laughs> hey, we have a Super Bowl, so I, I've seen it with my own eyes. Speaking so of sad franchises, here's a, here's a proposal for splitting uprights. Ready? Next year, we take a squad trip to Kansas City when the Cowboys come to town, and we film an episode from the Arrowhead tailgate. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm down for it. I went, I went to Kansas City uh, – not this obviously not the season, but the season before when they played Green Bay. First of all, the best tailgating fans I've ever seen. Uh, second of You're all, right. it is it is an electric game to be at. The fans get fucking insane. Everyone is drunk as fuck, and they're trying to fight everyone. So I'm down for it. Um, I'm, I'm down. Maybe maybe we can have some some clips of of Ian going crazy when they when they run <laughs> up the score on those boys. Um, but let's go ahead and talk about. I, I mentioned the, the Stafford deal a little bit. Um, who in your in your guys' eyes, who who was the who had the better deal out of it? Who got the better, I guess, end of the stick? Do you think the Rams potentially did the Rams and the Lions trade? Because the Lions got a lot in return. The Rams potentially got a well, not potentially, they did get a better quarterback over golf or this Colts deal with uh, getting Wentz and the Eagles, at least getting rid of Wentz at this point. That's how they wanted. Gates, what are your thoughts? I think the I don't think necessarily. Either team, I guess if there was a team that won, it would probably be LA. I think, but I think the big winner and loser, I think the big winner is Matthew Stafford, and I think the big loser is Jared Goff. Because yeah. Matt Stafford's going to go to an offense with Sean McVay. And Sean McVay made Jared Goff into a better quarterback than he actually was. And so I think we're going to see the real Jared Goff in Detroit now. And I think we're going to see things we haven't seen out of – well, not necessarily things we haven't seen out of Stafford. He's going to look more successful because mm-hmm. Sean McVay knows how to get things out of his quarterback that otherwise the quarterback just couldn't do on his own. Now, I, I will I will say this about Stafford. One thing he's going to miss a lot, and Ian and I have talked about this, is Kenny G, even Marvin Jones as well um, because – it, those are guys that you can just say, you know, fuck it, and just chunk that bitch down there, and they'll go catch it. You know, I'm not saying Woods and Cooper aren't good receivers. They're obviously very good receivers, but they're just different kind of receivers than Galladay and Jones. So it'll be really interesting to see Stafford because he's he's had Megatron, and then he had King G and, and Marvin Jones. So he's just had big athletic guys. Now he's got little speedy guys, and, you know, the, the Rams' offense isn't going to change because of Stafford. Stafford's going to have to change to the Rams' offense. So – It'll be interesting. Um, first time, I think, in NFL history that the first and second overall picks were uh, traded away from their original teams in the same offseason. I saw a, a stat that said uh, any quarterback, any first-round quarterback from 2009, I think it was like 2018, mm-hmm. there was 22 of them, is no longer on the team that drafted them. And that's crazy to me. Yeah. I mean – it's it it it's I think it's 2016 because 2017 was Mahomes, Watson, and um, and, okay. and Trubisky, and they're mm-hmm. all on their same team. So yeah, I think. But I, I saw that I saw that stat. I was going to mention that all first round quarterbacks are no longer with their team, and most of them aren't even in the league anymore. I mean, Brandon Whedon was selected in the first round, pick number 22 for the fucking Browns, and he was a 28 year old dude. Like, <laughs> why would you spend a first round pick on that? But. Uh, I mean, 
I feel bad for for golf more than Wentz because I don't think golf wanted out of LA. Obviously, I mean, who would want to leave Los Angeles? And he's from there. Certainly, to go to Detroit. Yeah, and I think Detroit is obviously a very bad football team. Um, they do have weapons, but there's a chance that they lose Kenny G and Marvin Jones this offseason. And then you're left with three running backs in the backfield, and that's all you have. So, I mean, they have TJ Hawkinson. But, I, yeah, I mean, Wentz at least won it out, and I think he ended up in the best spot for him. I don't think there was a better spot for him to go, and it's all Wentz. because of Frank Reich. Uh, Wentz. Wentz, okay. Yeah, and, and it's just because of Frank Reich. And then that, that's kind of that's where I sit. Um, but that's going to do it for our NFL talk. We're going to go take a quick ad timeout, hear from our sponsor, Anchor.fm and Thrive Fantasy. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some of my, some of my lists that I made on TikTok that, that uh, made some controversy. We'll see you guys after the break. Okay, so for y'all at home that know Drew, Stone, and I, you know that we're big fantasy football guys. We're also big fantasy sports guys. We've gotten out in the soccer, and we're going to be doing fantasy hockey. Drew's doing fantasy basketball this year. Drew, this is exciting because now I get to tell you to come prop up on Thrive Fantasy this season. Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports app for player props. And here's the best thing about it, Drew, because like when you're doing football, and we know football, but you have to go do a lot of research about it to go look at the matchups, look at the numbers. Like, is Big Ben going to do it this week? Is he going to throw this much? You don't have to do that anymore with Thrive Fantasy. So they've eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in a respective sport, like you and me back in the day when we played Division Three football. So, Drew, what are some examples of how they do this? Yeah, so for so they do it differently. So NFL, you get uh, 20 different player props that you can bet on, uh, and you only have to choose 10 of them. So like tonight, uh, for example, we've got the Bengals and the Steelers playing. They give you 20 people, 20 uh, prop bets. You only pick 10 of them. You pick the over under on them. So that's smart. all you got to do. That's all you have to do. And then for NF or for the NBA, MLB, PGA, and esports, which I know you're not a huge fan of esports, but We've got uh, – you only have to choose five of ten. So they only have five out, uh, and then you only have to choose five of them. Uh, each each prop bet has a fantasy point total accumulated to it for the over-under. So if you think Big Ben, for example, is going to throw for 260 yards, uh, you might bet the over. If you think he's going to throw over, you might bet the under. Uh, each value it is different. Uh, and then the next per- the next one might be different. So Big Ben might have 105 points for the over and, and 95 for the under, but it might be flipped on the other one. So each point is different. Um, and then the most points at the end of the of the week gets a, uh, a share of the pool prize money. But I like this part, though, Drew. It's the more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. And you know fantasy sports is all about risk, and we like that. Yes, sir. We like that. Yes, sir. Uh, and then they also do PGA as well. A uh, new contest each and every day for the tournaments uh, for Thursday only and Friday only. So you don't have to sweat your golfers ruining your weekend if they do not make the cut. Yeah. And I know a lot of people who have that problem. So you're probably sitting in your homes thinking like Thrive Fantasy. I've never heard of Thrive Fantasy. Well, that's your fault because they've awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018. It has $75,000 guaranteed in prizes weekly, $75,000. Imagine what you could do with $75,000. So use promo code SPLITTINGUPS today. Drew, we have our own promo code, SPLITTINGUPS. Use promo code SPLITTINGUPS when you sign up today, and you will receive an instant match bonus up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. 
So download Thought Fantasy on the App Store or Play Store or by visiting their website, www.thrivefantasy.com. That's www.thrivefantasy.com. Sign up today and hashtag prop up today. And we are back. So now we're going to get into a little TikTok series I've been doing. Uh, if you don't know where we are, go look us up at Sideline Sports on TikTok. We post stuff there uh, as well as obviously on our podcast stuff. But go check us out there. You can get involved in this. But I've been doing a top five greatest at each position. I started at the quarterback position. I have, when we're recording this on Sunday, I had uh, released just the defensive tackles. I'm starting on defense now. But there was a couple lists that had raised some eyebrows to some people. And some people got butthurt. Uh, some children, I should say, because I'm on TikTok, you know, the age, I, I'm too old for TikTok, but I'm using it, you know, to get those younger folks involved. But, um, but I've been getting some, some heat. I've had some backup from, uh, from Pud. He's been ripping up some kids online, but uh, we're going to go into some of these lists. Uh, we're going to start off with the fullback list, which you might be thinking to yourself, why am I starting off with the fullback list? I have gotten the most controversy from this list. I have no idea why. I thought no one gave a fuck about fullbacks. And it was when I made it, it was kind of like a joke list. Like, oh, you know, ha, 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 ha. You're making a fullback list. They're irrelevant. They're irrelevant in today's game. But the fans, I guess, are die hard when it comes to fullbacks. So my list goes like this. At number five, I don't even know if I want to tell you guys anymore. But at number five, I've got James Devlin for the Patriots. I, he's, just, he's just great. He's a utility guy. At number four, I have Tom Rathman. Tom Rathman, first of all, badass fucking name. Second of all, he's wearing a T-bar as a damn fullback running over people. And he wears fingerless gloves. I mean, his stats could mean shit. That's a fullback for me. So that those are those are four and five. And then this is where it kind of gets more serious, I guess you can say. Daryl Johnston at number three. I know Gage will like that, you know, Cowboys guy. I, he was a good Oops. fullback. He was a good fullback, and he's a very good announcer now. Um, he looks like he's still roided up, though, from the 90s. But, uh, you know, we'll see what it is. Number two, Lorenzo Neal for the Chargers. I mean, he fucking block, blocked for the, the most rushing touchdowns in a season for LT. So that's why I have him at number two. And number one, Mike Allstott. If you know who Mike Allstott is, he is the greatest fullback in NFL history. I don't care what anyone else says. And I got, I got ripped up for not putting Franco Harris on this list, Jim Brown, a bunch of, uh, you know, just Christian Oriki or something. I don't know the fuck his name is. I got ripped up. So, Gage, give me your list. I know you made a fullback list. Give me yours. Let me hear yours. So, I do think a full the fullback, not, you know, not even um, even close to what it was back in, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, so, I do think at this point, the position is more of a meme. Um, but for my number five, <clears throat> I did put Franco Harris on there at my number five. Not only like 80% of the reason was the immaculate reception, not even a fullback play, but that's just one of the most famous plays in NFL history. And so that's, you know, to me, I, I think about that play. I saw it late in uh, my wife's watching a show called this is us and she'll have it on the TV sometimes. And I'll be, I'll catch glimpses of it. And they showed that play for whatever reason. So it made me think about it the other day. Um, and then uh, number four, I have Daryl Moose Johnston. Uh, that's, you know, the cowboy in me coming out. Um, big part of that 90s dynasty with Troy Aikman and them. Mm -hmm. um, 
there's a book called uh, Boys Will Be Boys by Jeff Perlman. It's a great book. Talks about the all this shit they got into in the history of the Cowboys, and he commentates a lot, so he gives really good insight into it um, about just the crazy shit that he did, that the players did, all that stuff. Um, then I have Earl Campbell. He's not a fullback. He's so there. So I think that that's that's a big thing. Do you go by? the way that they ran and their usage, or do you go by what they were listed at on a roster? In my in my eyes, now, and this is something we can talk about. I, I mean, obviously, back back in the, you know, 70s and, and before then, they were running wishbones. They were running four fucking running backs in the backfield somehow. I don't know how it was possible, but they were running four running backs in the backfield, fullbacks. So there was definitely a lot more of them. So that's why the fullbacks weren't utilized. Nowadays, and in my eyes, how I view a fullback is a guy who doesn't touch the ball very often and who just leaves blocks. That was my, that's how my list was, was based off of my, now I know Mike Ostot was used as a running back a little bit more towards the end of his career, uh, some part of his careers. But so in my eyes, Earl Campbell or the bet, Earl Campbell is a running back. I, I think there can be an argument made that yes, that they can be a running back, just like Jim Brown. Yeah. I think he was listed as a fullback, but like, probably is more of the body type and the running style of a full of a running back. And then I had Bronco Nagurski, which anytime you get an award named after you, um, if you don't know, the Nagurski trophy is the award given to the best college football fullback. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't hear about it because as much as the NFL doesn't use fullbacks, college football, at least the big name college football, damn sure doesn't use fullbacks. Um, and then I did have Jim Brown number one because in my eyes he is a fullback. But hey, bro, we're gonna have to fight after this. I had Jim Brown as my number one running back. So I mean, I guess I, th- I think you could flip it either way. Yeah, and, and I mean, I mean, honestly, like yes, he. I think I think when they ran the triple option, the fullbacks got more touches than everyone else. I think I think we see it differently than a lot of older people might because they grew up watching fullbacks play a certain way. And we've grown up watching guys that are the size of fullbacks run like running backs, you know? So it's just, there's a disconnect there because it's hard to compare something that is so blended now versus something that was so separated back in the NFL days. Let me ask you this, Peyton Hillis. What what would would he have played in the seventies? He would have played fullback. He had played fullback in the eighties. Would have played fullback in the nineties. But he played in the early or the early 2010s. He was a running back. That like in my eyes, like Earl Campbell, like every all the highlights I see of Earl Campbell aren't of him blocking or him doing anything like that. It's him running over fucking people with his head down, you know, causing CTE and himself and others. But well, like you know. Derrick Henry would probably play fullback if he yeah. was back there. I mean, yeah, we're we're obviously in a different era when it like for us now. I, I'm basing this off of my early days of watching football when it came to. You know, Lorenzo Neal, guys like Lorenzo Neal, like literally guys who whose sole possession in life was to go blow up the linebacker in front of them and occasionally run the ball on fourth and one whenever they had been just throttling, throttling you with their running backs, you know, just a, chif- a change of pace running back, you know. James Devlin, in my eyes, is probably one of the best fullbacks we've ever seen because of how they utilized him on the Patriots. Like he would literally, he'd come in the huddle and they would have no idea what they were lining up in because James Devlin could run outside and play receiver. 
I don't put that in quotations because he was not running routes and not catching balls, but he could, or he could be put in and, and they could run, you know, eye formation and run it down your throat, or he could line up as a tight end potentially. So, I mean, the fullback position is definitely probably the hardest one to do because there's so many different variations. Whereas running back, yes, it's changed over time, but at the end of the day, they line up seven yards behind the quarterback, they get the ball, they run. Fullbacks, they've so many, so many things have changed. So, all right. So let me. So, a lot of teams these days don't even have a a fullback listed. I was I was looking to because I know the the Cowboys fullback his name is Blake Bell, mm-hmm. the Bell Dozer baby. Um, <clears throat> And so I was looking, I was wondering, I was, cause you don't see a lot of fullbacks listed. And so when you look on the Cowboys roster, Blake Bell is actually listed as a tight end. Yep. And so, um, so you two, I have two different other sports fan, sports franchise fans here. So Drew, do you, A, know the fullback on Indianapolis? Uh, <laughs> so Ian's is going to be easy. I know Ian's. I think everyone knows who the Chiefs fullback is. Facts. Um, the Colts, I know Sausage. at one point. <laughs> the Colts at one point, I know, had signed Roosevelt Nix this offseason, and then they released him. But I do not know who the current fullback is on our roster. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, Ian. I mean, we, yeah. Um, so obviously, Anthony Sherman, the man, the myth, the king. And speaking of Chiefs fullbacks, I'm going to rewind it back to when Drew disrespected a man by the name of Christian Okoye, all right, Chiefs legend, who also graduated from Azusa Pacific University, which is where my mother, the beautiful Jamie Enderby, played softball. And they were were homies. They, like, worked out together and stuff. They spotted each other. So I can't can't let you disrespect a man like that. Hey, I mean – I had no idea who he was, honestly. I was not going to put that man on my list. I've never seen him a day in my life, never heard of his name. So my, my bad. My I, I was disrespectful. My bad. All right, Ian. Yeah, you so better follow- hop on YouTube and search The Nigerian Nightmare. All right, go ahead, Gage. <laughs> what a great nickname. All right, Ian, so I have a follow-up to that. So when, when, when he comes in the game, do you are you excited for the utility that he brings and the value he adds to the offense? Or are you more excited that you're just seeing a fullback out there? Are you talking about Sherman now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, well, if it's short down, then obviously I'm hyped because, you know, he's almost as good of a fullback as there is in the league now because, granted, you said there's not a lot anyways. Um, but, yeah, he's he's a little sneaky. He, in Patrick Mahomes' 2018 season, he had a, a 45-yard touchdown catch on the sideline. Great throw, great catch. So he, he's he's pretty solid. I'm always happy to see Sausage out there. See, like, for me, when I see Blake Bell come in a game, I get more excited. One, because, one, I know he's probably not going to get the ball. He's probably just there to lead block for Zeke. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he does get the ball, I'm more excited, not because I'm hoping he breaks off a, a, a you know, a 20-yard run and barrels his way into the end zone. I'm excited because I'm seeing a fullback run, and I get to yell belldozer in my living room as loud as I can. I'm sure. I'm sure if you if you were watching the game during nap time, Layton's not too happy about that. But um, so the the best fullback right now in NFL, Kyle Juszczyk. Like, first of all, he is very underappreciated because, like, when he comes on the field, the 49ers are a better football team because, again, just like James Devlin, he adds and you said the word utility. 
where he can do so many different things. I mean, Ushake has, has been used as a, a running back. Like, he's been used as a guy that lines up seven yards, gets a handoff, runs. He can catch the ball better than some receivers and tight ends in the league. He blocks better than a lot of linemen do and some and most tight ends. So, like, the the fullback is a very underused position, and I'm pretty sure they're all just starting to – because Blake Bell was a tight end at Oklahoma. He wasn't even a fullback. So, like, for me, like – there they the fullback position is gone is no longer a position in the nfl i mean in madden you can still sign a fullback but if you do a draft or whatever you can get the best fullback in the game 52 rounds in in the freaking draft you know so fullback position is basically non-existent anymore and it's sad to see because i mean guys like lorenzo neal were freaking fun as hell to watch for me my golf star as well so sad to see him go but you know, if I ever, if I make this list in the future, I guess I'll just stay away from fullbacks because I'll get freaking my head called out for me. Um, but then that leads me to my conversation about tight ends as well, because I made a list. Um, at number five, I had Antonio Gates. At number four, Mike Ditka, the coach. Uh, and then number three, I had Shannon Sharp. Number two, I had uh, Tony G, which I thought I was going to get a lot of heat for, but actually a lot of people agree that he's not the best anymore. That Gronkowski, who I had at number one, is is the best. Now, there was a name, and I know me and Gage are about to get into a little discussion about this. I won't say argument, just a discussion, uh, that Jason Witten should be a top three tight end. And I said, no way, Jason Witten is at least, at best, he's a top four, but I have him around seven to eight. Gage, I'll let you start. I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't necessarily agree with top three. I think the argument can be made for top five. And when I made a list, I had Jason Witten at five, and I, there, there, there was probably, some, you know, some Cowboys bias in there. He's my favorite football player that I've ever gotten to watch. Uh, I wore 82 in high school because of him. Um, and it, it may have more to do, I think a lot of what went into that pick for me was not necessarily the value he added to the Cowboys, which was, you know, extraordinary. He leads, mm-hmm. he leads Cowboys history in almost all receiving categories. And this is a team that had Michael Irvin and Drew Pearson um so you know it's tough because I want to put him you know higher on the list in my heart he's the best tight end ever yeah but that's me thinking with my heart now in my head I think it's Tony G but you know that's that's a you know there's certainly arguments to be made either way he's also a great human being too well, let, let's just put this out on the table that he is probably the worst announcer, though. Yes. We, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure we were clear that ESPN has done a terrible job of getting Monday night announcers. I mean, it's 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 hard to watch Monday night games. But I, uh, let, let's get away from that conversation before I get on a my soapbox and rip up ESPN and they come after me. But um, so I mean, Witten is a great tight end. I think Witten's. I think my issue with Witten, and and we'll go into this conversation here. Uh, what's your criteria when it comes to making a, a list for greatest all time because obviously you know i have a different list than gage and and we have different lists than all the experts and it, it's because of you know what we what we value as human beings uh when it comes to what makes someone great versus what makes someone average or whatever now for me like yes championships are a are a team stat 100 percent of the way but at the same time like what value did that player add to that team that made them win a championship like gronkowski for the patriots I think what he won two, he technically won three Super Bowls with them, but he only played in two games. Gronkowski, what he did for that team, blocking, 
catching. He was a matchup nightmare, depending on, you know, if you played against a linebacker, he was too fast. If you played against a DB or safety, he was too big. You know, like he was just he was just a matchup nightmare. And the Patriots didn't have to have a number one receiver because of Gronkowski. So for me, that's why Gronk is so valued so high. I know there's, you know, Travis Kelsey will be talking about him in the future when it comes to tight ends. Like him and him and Gonzalez are battling for the best tight ends in Chiefs history. And I think I think in a, in a handful of years, if Kelsey has, you know, great couple of years, like he just had this year with the Chiefs, he'll be number three on this list. And it'll be a battle between Gronk, Kelsey and, and Tony G. So, Gage, what's your criteria for for what makes the greatest of all time in any in any position? I just use tight ends because we we're talking about them. Well, I don't want to just say I don't want to just say stats because that's pretty broad for one Mm -hmm. but it's a it's a combination of a stats and then I think a big big part of it and it's hard to do with tight ends Mm -hmm. especially because I think a big factor when you're making a a goat list is clutch the clutch factor Mm -hmm. and in the NFL you don't I mean when the game's on the line the quarterback's going to throw to the open receiver if it's a pass play. He's going to throw to the open receiver. But when when you need, you know, that game-winning touchdown, most of the time your mind is on your star receiver, not your tight end. Mm-hmm. And maybe it probably, it probably depends on what team you are. Um, but I think for me to pick your clutch factor in combo with your stats – um your overall impact on the game like when teams have to scheme for you like even if Gronk doesn't catch you know even if he has like a low game like let's say he has like you know two catches for you know 40 yards he's still having an impact in that situation because that means the team has had to scheme for a tight end to take him away which means he's still having an impact on the game so, you know, guys like that, guys like Tony G, like you said, Gronk's, Gronk's a matchup nightmare. Tony G was a matchup nightmare. Shannon Sharp was an absolute matchup nightmare. So even when you don't have a visible impact on the game, um, that impact, maybe the fans can't see it, but the other team can certainly see that it's there. And guys like Tony G, Shannon Sharp, Gronk, those guys are the best because they impact the game without necessarily doing it on the scorecard. Uh, and I, I definitely agree with you. Ian, do you have any criteria when it comes to ranking the greatest of all time? And I know we, we've had this conversation when it came to Brady. I wasn't going to bring up we the have. quarterbacks, but <laughs> what's your criteria when it comes to yeah. picking the greatest of all time? Well, I really like Gage's point about matchup nightmares and uh, like defensive coordinators having to plan for them. But mainly what I like is just pure – uh, what do you what do you call it? Like when, like eye test, just mm-hmm. pure eye test. I see this guy dominate grown human beings at a level like I've never seen before. That'll <laughs> always weigh in more uh, with me, certainly more than championships. All right, we're not gonna get into that with the Brady thing again, but certainly more than championships. And yeah. so, like when we were saying Calvin Johnson in the Hall of Fame, that dude was just about as dominant as anyone in any position ever. They would line two corners up man to man on him on the goal line. So. Yep, that's my criteria personally. I, I think another thing that goes into it is leaning into whatever personality, you know, uh, archetype that, that you are. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, Jason Witten and Gronk, some of the best tight ends ever, completely on the opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of personality. 
Jason Witten's pretty quiet, pretty reserved, but he's still, you know, a very, very good leader. Gronk, on the other hand, very much out there, a, a total goofball on the field. But he can do that because he's good enough to do that. And he's a goofball off the field, too. And he leans into it and people love him for it. So I think part of, you know, being the go is leaning into whatever type of personality that that a you structure for yourself and then the fans also back you up in that like Shannon Sharp was a total goober on the sideline but he was a badass on the field yeah and and I think I think he gets discredited for the fact that you know he he was honestly when I when I first thought of Shannon Sharp I didn't I never realized he was a tight end because he looks like a receiver but like he was a receiver and then he and he transitioned yeah yeah, for, for me, like I, I, you know, me and Gage, we were tight ends at, at, in, in high school and in college. And, you know, me and Gage, I guess you could say are totally different ends of the spectrum. Gage, Gage is a little bit bigger than myself. I would, I would consider Gage a, a blocking tight end more than receiving catching tight end, but he could still catch the ball and run routes and do those things. But compared to me, I was more of a receiver playing tight end in that sense. And so for me, like Shannon Sharp obviously opened doors for guys like myself who were able to, you know, catch the ball but maybe not as fast as as those receivers or um I guess you can say not as skinny I guess I don't know because those guys are compared to us are skinny as fuck but Jason Jason Witten said he, he used to tell rookie tight ends he he would say look you're the you're the slowest of all the fast guys mm-hmm. and you're the you're the weakest of all the strong guys so you have to be good at whatever it is that you're good at make sure you're the best at whatever it is yeah. And I mean, play, playing in the Dallas area, you know, especially playing tight end, you get you get compared. You're not, not saying you get compared, but you get to be like, hey, did you watch Witten this weekend? Because I mean, he he was a great tight end. He, I, I would say he was great at what he did because he was so good at getting open. I just think compared to Gates and Ditka and all these other guys, I just don't think he beats them out. Uh, and I, I don't think he beats out Kellen Winslow. And I think as of right now, he has a small edge over Kelsey. Uh, but if again, if Kelsey continues to do the things he's been doing. I think Kelsey is in the running for um, uh, the be- one of the best tight ends we've ever seen, uh, just what he does. I know Ian loves to hear that when it comes to us talking about Kelsey. But um, I just did a defensive tackles Absolutely. list. I'd love, to hear, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts um, because I actually put Aaron Donald at number one. Uh, I know that might be controversial, but I've got and, – and, again, defensive tackles, same thing. There's, a, there's so many of them, there's, and there's, some play defensive end, some play defensive tackle. Um, I know my top three. Uh, actually, I, okay, I know all five. Warren Sapp, number five. John Randall, number four. Um, mean Joe Green at number three. Bob Lilly at number two. And Aaron Donald, number one. And what we just talked about, the Aaron Donald's on-field impact in any game we've seen is freaking um, – like, it, he, he might be the best defensive player we've ever seen in, in our life. And maybe ever in NFL history, just because this dude's a freaking monster. Gage, I know, I know, I said Bob Lilly, and if you've ever seen any highlights of him, he's he's pretty freaking good. But I actually, I actually was, I I agree with that list a lot. I love Warren Sapp. Whenever, because I, I, I'm not really into Madden games, mm-hmm. but I, I I I played a lot of the Maddens. I think from like Madden 08 up until like Madden 25. Madden 25 was the last Madden game I played a lot. So mm-hmm. Warren Sapp, when he was playing for the Packers. Whenever I, I used to do uh, dynasties and stuff, and usually when I play football games, I always play the D-line on defense. Mm-hmm. And I would love playing as Warren Sapp because he was just a monster. And so obviously playing for the Packers, I wasn't a big fan of seeing him on Sundays when the Cowboys played him. Mm-hmm. But uh, especially at that time because the Cowboys' line was horrible. But 
yeah, guys like Warren Sapp, Bob Lilly, Mean Joe Green, you know, shout out to North Texas. Uh, I, I, I think that's a very – I don't know why that list would be controversial. I'm very much in agreement with that list. It's all because it's all because Aaron Donald's a number one. I mean, I think I think at the end of his career it might not be as controversial, but, I mean, right now, like, he's still – what, he's 28 years old? He's a three-time – I think there's some I think there's some credibility to that argument. Like when when I did my tight ends list, I didn't have Kelsey on my list mm-hmm. because his career is not over. And wherever I put anywhere that on his on this list other than number one, mm-hmm. I think wherever I put him, if I put him two through five, he would eventually move up. Yeah, by the end of his career, because he's probably he's probably not quite even at the halfway point of his career yet. I think he what Ian? Do you know how old? Kelsey is. I know you're the Chiefs guy, so I'm gonna go to you for Chiefs. Thirty-one. He's thirty-one. He's actually the same age as Gronk. Oh shit! <laughs> it don't look like it. But that's crazy though to think they're the same age. I mean, I feel like Kelsey obviously hasn't been as good as Gronk. Gronk came in, I feel like, and almost had an immediate impact with the with the Patriots. With, you know, with his uh, you know, AA Ron Hernandez, uh, partner in crime. Um, but uh. You know, I think I think you can put part of that in like the in the goat factor too, yeah. like because you know they're the same age, but for most of our lives, the spotlight in terms of the NFL has largely been on the Patriots, and Gronk was there for that, so we got to see a lot of that. And the Chiefs have only started, you know, really coming into their own in the last six seven years. Well, and, and it's crazy to think too that like, you know, someone like Kelsey, who obviously is very very talented. It took him what Kelsey really exploded on the scene, I'd say four years ago. You know, I mean, before then, obviously, he didn't have great quarterbacks. I mean, I don't know who the quarterback was before Alex Smith. Ian, do you know off the top of your head? A bunch of mess. There was like, yeah, it was, it was really bad. Like Matt Castle. And- yeah. So a, bu- a bunch of trash at quarterback. So Kelsey, obviously, but that's the thing is, is like Kelsey. He wasn't able to, you know, elevate. Basically, the it was just play. Jamal Charles's team. Let me tell you, <laughs> that's true too. They were just running the ball anyway. Um, but you know, Gronk, Gronk was playing with Tom Brady from the start of his career, so it obviously makes it makes an important impact on who's your quarterback, especially if you're, you know, catching the ball from someone. If you're catching the ball from Matt Castle and you know guys like that, you're probably not going to be as successful as someone catching the ball from Tom Brady. Whereas Kelsey started to, you know, elevate once he's gotten a Patrick Mahomes, even an Alex Smith before because Smith was really good. So. That, that plays a huge part into receivers and tight ends for sure. Um, I have my defensive ends list. I'll give you guys a sneak peek, even though this will, even though the list on TikTok will come out before this, this, uh, this airs. So I haven't put them in an order yet. Well, really I, I, the, the top three are already set, but I haven't put the, the final two. I've got Strahan and, and Watt at four and five. Uh, and then Bruce Smith, Deacon Jones and, those two are three and two. I haven't decided if which one I want to put where. And then number one is Reggie White. I mean, nothing I can say or do anything about that list. This was probably the defensive ends I thought was going to be the toughest list for me. It's actually the easiest list. So I mean, I'm I'm in pretty pretty good agreement with that list too. Yeah, I I think I think the tough part I'm going to have is when it comes to linebackers because, like, how do I how do I categorize guys like Von Miller, stand up DNs? linebackers like a tj watt or someone you know to someone like a, a, a lawrence taylor um like they played the, the same position but they're two different responsibilities i think the linebacker one will 
probably be similar to the fullback one mm-hmm. because linebackers today they're they're expected to play in such a different way than they were back in you know the 80s and 90s a lot of that was a lot of downhill you know in the trenches yeah. and now we expect linebackers to be able to cover slot receivers yeah that's great and so it, it's totally it's totally changed it'll be really hard to do um you know you you'll have guys like you know demarcus ware who was a linebacker but a lot of the time he was lining up with his hand in the ground at the dn yeah and a lot of that had to do with you know the cowboys they when they were playing a four three yeah um but even when he's playing a four three the dude was standing up most of the time i mean he did play with his hand in the ground but a lot of the time he was a stand-up dn even if they were in a four three so but he was listed as a linebacker, which, you know, it, yeah. it all depends. A lot of it depends on, you know, your defensive scheme for one, but also, mm-hmm. you know, the way that the game is played now, it's so spread out that you have to have athletic linebackers that maybe aren't quite as big. They have to be a little faster. So it's just a different, you know, it's a different category of athlete that plays now. Yeah. So I'm going to have a tough time with my linebackers. I mean, even thinking about cornerbacks too, you know, cause you got outside guys, you got nickel guys now, but back in the day, they didn't really have those nickel guys cause you know, just the defenses were different. So it'll be interesting when I when I do that. But that's going to do it for us here on the Splitting Uprise podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. If you guys enjoyed this episode or and want to listen to more of our episodes, we drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you guys find your podcast. Look us up at Splitting Uprights. While you're there, please, please, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button or follow. It is 100% free on your end. All it does is help us out in the long run. So please go ahead and hit that button if you're not already a subscriber or follower. But we appreciate any support you guys do give us on this platform. But you guys can also support us in other ways. Go to Twitter, look us up at Splitting Uprights or Splitting Ups. And that's where we post our daily content there as well. So you can go ahead and look us up there as well. Uh, we post you know poll questions, view, uh, funny questions, all types of questions. But we also post our fantasy uh league recaps there as well and our water dong plays of the week so go check that out and then if you guys want to look at our overarching brand called sideline sports they have a tiktok and and an instagram and a youtube that they'll post their videos on as well or our videos on as well go ahead and check that out you guys will also see other content on there as well from other podcasts so thank you guys for listening we hope you guys are safe now if you are living in texas maybe arkansas elsewhere uh, with all the power outages and everything we hope you guys are safe now Uh, But we will see you guys next week uh, for that episode. See you guys. Thank you guys for listening.